The Lord has promised good to me. So we sang, but after you've had an experience with your own shack, something that shakes the very foundations of your trust in life and in, and in God, sometimes leaning into that promise is not easy. Last week we talked about uh, Mac's experience and our own experience and what it means to trust God's goodness. And trusting God's goodness has a lot to do with how we see God. But today, I, I want to turn that the other way. It's a relationship. How is it that, that God sees us? It's one thing to trust that God is good objectively. Fine. God and his goodness up in heaven. Almighty God, that's great. It's another thing to trust that God is good for me. God is good to me. I wonder if you identify with Mac in the movie. How is it that, that God sees? Just sit with that one question yourself for just a second. And I wonder what emotions start to rise. How does God see me? Well, if you're like many of us, some emotions may be joy. Or there might be shame. Or there might be guilt. How does God see me? Does it make you want to run towards someone's embrace or hide at a safe distance? How does God see me? Can, can I trust not only God's goodness, but can I trust his purposes in my life and, and his purposes for me? How does God see me. I wonder how Mac would have thought about that as I saw him in the movie and we got acquainted with his story. I wondered if he would hope that God would see his efforts to be the dad that he had never had. I think God saw that. I wonder if his thoughts would have turned immediately to shame, how God sees me. God sees everything. God knows even those things that I don't talk about, that I hide Mac didn't talk much about what happened at home when he was still 10, 12 years old. When his father's booze was filled with the poison by his own hand. There are things uh, in our own lives about which we hide. We, we, we can understand and identify with, with Adam and Eve, can't we, in the garden? Now that they've fallen and now that they've sinned, what do they do? They recognize their nakedness. Oh my gosh, God sees us and he sees us like this. And what does Adam do? He hides. He hides. And God goes calling for him. God made us for a relationship with himself. And so God is used to walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve through the garden. It was, a, it was meant to be a conversation among friends. Sarah, you says, ah, it's beautiful. I love that. And, and yet now that Adam realizes his own sin and realizes his own brokenness, you know, it's one thing to know that God is good and almighty, but it can be a scary thing to think that God is good, infinitely good, and infinitely almighty. And so if God is that good, what must he think of me? Right? Are we drawn to that or, or, or do we pull away? Mac was caught in that double bind. 
Perhaps he hadn't heard as we had last week that as we draw near to God, that God draws near to us. That he he wants and invites uh, that relationship. But many of us, perhaps, uh, our posture towards God is not necessarily leaning into that relationship. It may be more of an arm's length leaning away. Matt carried his own shame, his own tendency to hide. Maybe he was filled with guilt over Missy's disappearance and he was the parent on call in that moment and how could he have possibly turned away at just that time? Maybe he wonders if God could be of any help at all if he wasn't any help then. Maybe we all see ourselves as a bit of a mess. Maybe that's why we pose Maybe that's why we always try to give our best impression. But God sees all. And what does God feel about us when he sees us that way? You know, I think you may be surprised. I I think Mac was surprised at how embracing God was of himself, such an imperfect person. In Genesis 131, we get a clue for why God could feel that way about ordinary folks like us. In Genesis 131, God has been creating all that he would create for six days. And on the sixth day, as the crown of his creation, he creates humanity. And when he creates humanity, the verbiage changes. At the end of each day... God does a lot of work, and at the end of the day, he says, that's good. Another day, a lot of work, that's good. Creating a mountain, I don't know how much effort that takes. Good day. Five good days, but then he gets to the sixth day. He creates humanity. And it's as if God goes, this is very good. Very good. And all of us are are broken and less than we know we could be and less than we want to be. But somehow, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, sees us all and all that we are and still sees us as that treasure of His to be reclaimed, to be redeemed. Adam and Eve leave the garden. Sin cannot be tolerated indefinitely. God will have his way of cleansing this world of all of its brokenness and all of its sinfulness. And God's plan is just starting to unfold. But even in the Garden of Eden, he gives them a promise that the woman's seed will bruise the serpent's head. But the mission is not one of revenge. God's not after us. God's after our sin, and He wants to change it, and He wants to cleanse us of it. God is on a rescue mission, not a revenge mission. Jesus took all the sin of the world upon Him at the cross. And though our sin can still warp us and still hurt others in the world, and God is still wanting to eradicate it and cleanse us of it and grow us up out of it, the heart behind All of that is a heart that loves us deeply. And so maybe when God looks at you, 
he sees something you'd never expect. That was Mac's experience. Do you remember? He's just had it with God. Just walked out on this idea of of God's goodness being something that he could trust. He's done. He's leaving God behind. He's leaving the shack. He's going home. He's trying to find his truck. Do you remember that? And he's lost in, in, in the woods. And there the spirit character finds him. As the spirit always does. Comes looking and pursuing him. And there they have a little talk. And it ends up with an invitation. An invitation to come with her in the garden. Do you remember that? And and to do something in the garden together. The garden is Mac's heart. And in this clip, he sees it one way. And Sarah, you sees it entirely differently. Do you remember how different? Here's the clip. Looking for the way out? If you are looking for your truck, it's up that way. Just beyond the trees. You might need these, though. Thanks. Just to be clear... We're not justifying anything, but we'd like to heal it, if you'd let us. Before you go, there's something in the garden I was hoping you could help me with before tomorrow's celebration. A celebration? If you want to know, you'll stick around. There it is. I'm back. Beautiful was her word. Beautiful. Imagine that. Now, if, if, if you go on just a little bit farther, you, you'll see uh, a little bit more of, of what she must have been seeing. Help me advance the slides, if you would. Uh, one more. There she is. She, she's working in the garden, and she's vi- invited him to that place where she's going to he, I'm not sure he's fully aware that this is his heart. She walks in there and there's this, this growth that has been beautiful and that has had its place. But she says she wants to cut this beautiful stuff down. And, and she hands him a, a, a knife to work with her. And they cut all that out because she has another purpose for it. And she wants to get all of that old out so that the new can come forth, right? She, she's going to redo something in the middle of this garden which looks to him like a total mess but it doesn't it's not a mess next slide it's not a mess from above it is this 
beautiful, uh, intentional, intricate, designed garden. And you remember as, as the story goes on, this actually becomes the place where he will lay his daughter Missy to rest. This, this unconcluded, unending pain in his life, he will give this to God and, and lay this in this very place. And then Sarah, you will sprinkle some of his tears on the ground. And from that will come this beautiful, beautiful growth, this tree. You can see it there, right there by the two little plotches of, of pink. But, but, but right there is a, a tree in the middle of this garden that has now become not this garden's greatest wound, <laughs> but this garden's centerpiece. God can take something even that was meant for bad and turn it for good. In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He can take whatever we bring him, broken pieces or not, and make something beautiful of it if we'll just cooperate him. Will you come to the garden and work with me there? Will you come to the garden of your own heart and, and join me there? How is it that God takes a life and reclaims it and restores it and rebuilds it into something that is more than we could ever imagine or hope? How is it that God does that redeeming work? He always does it, listen to me, in relationship. In relationship with him. And if we will accept a relationship with Jesus Christ for who he is as our Lord and our Savior, that work begins in that moment. We as Methodists believe it actually begins before that moment, that God has been wooing us to it all along. That we'll discover even before we come to the moment that we ourselves trust Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Little love notes, little secret admirer notes all through our lives. That grandmother that wouldn't give up on us. That prayed us out of places we know would have been our end. That friend that was loyal, that coach that believed in me. All through God's little secret admirer notes. This is the God that loves us so that he and his son together in concert pay a sacrifice. That once it's seen for what it is, would cause any of us to recalculate our worth in God's eyes. And then maybe in our own as well. God always does his rescue, recover, and restore missions in relationship. Now that's, that's cinema. Is that Bible? Is that something that we can really rely on? I think it is. Look at John chapter 15. Uh, I want to show us three different images of God. The first one is of a gardener. And this is one that Jesus himself told. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Who's the vine dresser? He's the gardener. He's the vine dresser. He's the one that's going to shape the vine. And here's some of his work. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Already clean. That, that, that's the word for the plant once it's been pruned. All the dead stuff has been clipped away. It is now clean. Uh, and now what does he use to prune? He says here he uses his own word. 
And God, think of it, God is a gardener that is wanting to make something beautiful out of our life. He wants to make us grow. He wants to make us productive. He has plans for us that go beyond even the blessing of us. That gardener not only has in mind how beautiful the vine can become, how productive the vine can become, what a blessing the vine can become, that gardener sees the wedding. He sees the celebration to come. The things that the vine could not conceive in itself, but are a part of the, of the gardener's much bigger plan. And, and, and this, this talks about pruning. Sometimes a, a vine dresser will cut away the dead stuff. And most of us like that, clearing the clutter, He'll cut off the little suckers, you know, those little, those little limbs that aren't going to go anywhere but just rob the, the plant of its, of its vitality to really produce fruit. You know, it'll, it'll cut away all that stuff. The Word of God will show us what to, what to cherish and what to set aside. And some of that is really quite plain, uh, painless. Most of it really, really helps us, you know. It's kind of like getting a good haircut. You know what I'm talking about? Does that hurt? No, you know. There, there, there are times, I, I've been to one of these supercut places over here. You know what I'm talking about? Where, where they do the, the massage while you're back there and all that kind of stuff. It's wonderful. You know, sometimes the pruning can be a big blessing. It, it can free us up. It can cut away the dead stuff. But sometimes, you know, fingernails, that's, that doesn't hurt. But it sure keeps them healthy. There's pruning like that. But there's also those cuts that come in life, those shacks of life that may not be from God at all. And sometimes God will ask of us things that hurt, always for a greater good. But then sometimes, you know, foxes get loose in the vineyard. And they tear away branches that the Father had other intentions for. So then, what does the vine dresser do? He doesn't leave the vine just to go bad. He, he shapes it into something that reclaims its purpose, right? God's not just a gardener. God is also a potter. If you look in Jeremiah, is it 16 or 18? I think it's Jeremiah 18. The prophet sees God as a potter. In fact, the prophet says, God told me to go down to a potter's house. And there I saw a potter working with a lump of clay on on the wheel, you know. You've seen the potters and how they do that. Spin, 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 water in the hands, and they start, they start working it. There's, the, there's, the, there's a relationship between the clay and the hands, and it's very close, and it's very delicate, and it's very intentional. This is an artist at work. He's attentive to what he's making of us. But, but, but something that's not in the maker's intentions Those things, evil still works in our world. We live in a fallen world. Those things can still happen. It says that the pot that he was spinning spoiled in his hands. It doesn't say that the potter spoiled it, right? It was spoiled. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. It's going up and it's taking its shape. And and then all of a sudden it just, just warbles, you know, 
clay has flaws within it, and, and the, the spinning wheels of this life has forces all its own. And, and, and God works his hands in the midst of all that to make something beautiful of us. He's, he's creating this, this pot or this vessel or this pitcher. Only the mind of the one who's creating knows. But, but the question that the prophets ask is, after we've spoiled, after we've gone through a, tra- a shack, after our lives have warbled out of place, you know what the potter does? He, he puts his hands back in the clay. And the scripture says he remakes it into something that pleases him. Pleases him. Not, not just something of beauty. That's what we often see those folks making. But, but back in those days, the, the pots that they made were actually used. Some, some for ordinary things, some for extraordinary things, but, but they were useful tools as well. So, so here's the point. God does a work in us and with us. But as he does that, that's connected to the work he has in his mind to do through us. So that sometimes that very thing that could have spelled our end that everything that threatened the, the vitality of, of our whole life becomes that wound at which God reshapes us to be a blessing to others. Y'all may not realize that, but there's, there's, there's a, a married class that goes on here at 9 o'clock that's led by a former divorcee. Marriage enrichment. By a divorcee. You're looking at him. Isn't it amazing? God God can take things that were incredibly painful. Max loss of Missy. And turn that into something beautiful. His way of understanding a pain so deep that he can help his own daughter. Out of a depth of depression that no one else could understand like he does. How is it that God again and again claims us for his purposes? He works both within us. You know, it's interesting. Back back in Jesus' day, he was a carpenter. But carpenters not only made stuff, they made the stuff that made their stuff. Thank God I've got Lowe's. But, but, but Jesus would have made the tools that made the stuff, right? And, and, and we are those tools. God does a simultaneous work within us that's tied to the work that he will do through us. And, and, and those two things come together like a rhyme in a poem. Has, has life ever given you such a strange turn that you didn't, that you said, I didn't see that coming. I sure didn't, that was not in my plan. You know, you, 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 come, you come to the end of one of the measures of your life, if your life is a poem, and it ends with the word cancer. What rhymes with that? The poet knows. The poet knows. For we are his workmanship. His poema. Sometimes the the strangest things that happen in our lives can become the most beautiful things that God works with. The strangest things. How is it that a man as vigorous as Christopher Reeves 
falls from a horse and is paralyzed from the neck down. But what does God do when that clay spoiled in his hands? He makes him the greatest superman for the handicapped the United States has ever known. That, that, that's what happens. That's what can happen. That kind of poetry in life is often the workings of, a, of an author, of a poet, who cares to make even those things that don't make sense to us a part of his story that he would write through our own lives. He's shaping us from within, but it doesn't start there. For we are his workmanship. This is Ephesians 2, verse 10. Strangely enough, we didn't coordinate this, but uh, Jeff read this earlier. For we are his workmanship. Listen. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. God not only saves us from stuff, he saves us for stuff. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't know how God does that. I really don't. You know, I used to think that my life was a blueprint and I had for certain messed it up. There was no way to recover it. You know, I know how blueprints work. We just built this building over here. We're familiar with blueprints, but I think God's work in our life is sometimes more like a master navigator. He knows the harbor for which we're intended, and no matter how far we're blown off course, he can set the course for where he wants us to go. I don't know what it might be that you struggle with giving God this day, but in his hands, it can become something so much more than if we keep it to ourselves and try to do it on our own. We weren't meant to pull off this life on our own. We were meant for a relationship. And God does his redeeming work through that relationship. God, God uh, shapes his tools. And, and then he uses them. You know, there's a bunch of tools up here. Uh, Phillips head screwdriver. Phillips head screwdriver. I I wonder what his story might sound like. You know, I used to resent that all these other tools look so polished and then I had to endure these notches. I used to hate my notches. But you know what I've come to discover about my notches? They make me the perfect connection for someone else that needs a little turning. The perfect connection. And, and, and you know, as, as I've come to embrace my notches, not as an injury from God, but as a part of his shaping, I find him using me more and more again to pull some things together. Needle nose pliers. I always hated my nose. It was so much longer than everyone else's. I used to resent God for giving me a nose like that. But you know, I've discovered something. That, that, that with a nose like this, I can get into some places that nobody else can. 
And, and you know, I've even discovered that, that, that when I give myself, you know, once I discovered that I had handles and I could put myself in someone else's hand, you know, I, I discovered that my, my, my power to hang on to things is multiplied when I let God take hold of me. You know. Here's it. Adjustable wrench. I used to admire all those other tools that were so strong and shiny and immovable. You know? Ah, there, I thought. There's power. There's power. Unyielding. I wanted to be a hammer and everything in the world, my nail. There you go, right? But I was made with all this flexibility, you know. And I found that now my, my, my flexibility helps me uh, adjust to all kinds of situations that, that need a little bringing together and a little, uh, a little tightening. And actually, my flexibility ends up helping all of those things that aren't so flexible around me. I used to think of it as a weakness, but actually, you know, in the right hands, that's, that's a strength. And, and you know, I've discovered that, that the, once I get through bolting something, it holds even better than those blasted nails. <laughs> Maybe God wasn't crazy. Making the, me the way he made me. Maybe God wasn't crazy making you exactly the way he's made you. Maybe God isn't finished making you yet. Maybe your life is still a poem that he's writing and you're still waiting for the next rhyme. Trust him with it. And he'll make something beautiful of what seems like a bad lyric. Trust him. Can I? Amen. Here's the question for us. It's the question the potter asks, and that is, can I not do with you as the potter does with the clay? Can I not do with you as the gardener does with the vine? Would you be a tool that I could shape and a tool that I could use? If you trust my goodness, Trust my purposes. Trust me. Because you and I are a long way from finished yet. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you this morning that you're not finished. That a little over two years ago when we heard uh, that we'd been anonymously given a million dollars You obviously weren't through with us yet. You were believing in us to do some new thing for your sake and for this community. And God, we pray that we're living into that purpose. Help us, God, to so give ourselves to you all over again that that purpose continues to unfold. That your work continues to be done. 
both through us and within us. Help us not to check out. Help us not to leave you behind. Help us not to be looking for a way out, but be looking to you for the next beautiful thing that you will do in our midst. We thank you, Lord God, that in some uh, unanticipated, unexplainable, wonderful way, you have insisted to make us your partners. Thank you, God. Make us your tools, we pray. In Jesus' name. We'll close this morning with a, with a song here that will start here and will end there. All right? But along the way, I've got a lot of tools up here. A lot of tools. And there's a toolbox in the AMAC. So what I would like you to do is no work with these tools along the way, especially not on your neighbors, right? But, but, but pick up a tool, any tool you can pick, and I hope that when we're done that all the tools are taken, you know, so I don't have to come back over here and get any. Let's, let's take all the tools, take one or two until it, and come down front, get you a tool, and we're going to go over to the AMAC, and when we get to the AMAC, when you walk into the doors of the gym, right in front of you will be a huge toolbox, all right? So what I need help with is for you to take a tool over there and put it in the box.